and welcome to Goblet of Wine, a drunken Harry Potter podcast. I'm Hannah. And I'm Charlie, and we're two 20-somethings rereading our favourite childhood book, this time with added alcohol and cynicism. In today's episode, we are not reading or watching anything. We are listening to our howlers from our listeners. That's a lot of senses. Do we need to introduce like another type of episode where we smell things yes sniff test <laughs> so episodes. we have reading watching listening smelling touching touching yeah that's what we do meetups welcome to an episode <laughs> where we touch our listeners <laughs> this one's squishy this is when this audio gets entered into court evidence <laughs> so grab a glass of your favorite alcoholic beverage and join us on this drunken reminiscent journey legit has yeah it's been like five weeks yeah because it's been like a month but then the last time we recorded was with connor and it was after work so yeah if that those ones never feel like real recording sessions yeah but here we are here we are my phone's just told me it's on 20 percent, so i hope it lasts the evening oh, mine's on 17 Good. jesus christ where where did where did my phone battery go how are you don't ask me that. I'll have an existential crisis. Good. I can't say that. I think I'm okay. Good. How are you? I'm good. I've decided, um, based on recent events, that I will be bringing Taylor Swift into this podcast a lot more as we move into season six and seven. Okay. Um, hi to any new listeners who found us through TikTok, either through Charlie <laughs> ranking DILFs or MILFs, me making Harry Potter musicals, or me ranting about graduation in the US. Yeah. All of those videos blew up and we got some new listeners. Hi. Hi. Presumably you will have started from the beginning, but I don't know that for a fact. Yeah. Sorry he did and had to listen to our first two seasons audio quality. Yeah, that's... But, you know, knowing how many people like Taylor Swift, although saying that... Nikita told me off in the new episode spoiler chat the other day for talking about Taylor Swift. She was like, this is not the Taylor Swift channel. I was like, all oh. channels are the Taylor Swift channel. I was also like, this is my Discord? Um, oh, <laughs> we 100% are allowed to break our own rules. People are always like, you can't at everyone. I'm like, it's my Discord. I can do what I want. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The only time I go in there, I at everyone. Yeah, if I know. If I don't bring chaos, then I don't like it. Exactly. Exactly. Big mood. Yeah. Hi, welcome to the Howler episode. Woo! Woo! I was so proud of calling it the Howler episode because we've been planning just a voice note one for ages and then I was like, Howler. Mm-hmm. That, that that do be what it is. Yeah, when you came up with that name, I was like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, why did we not think of that before? So yeah, if you guys hadn't heard about this previously, well, you had because we talked about it in the last episode, but this episode is going to be mostly filled with our wonderful listeners' voices, with us just chipping in occasionally, and they're going to kind of round off season five for us. Yay! Which is such a nice way to finish. It is. I've gone through and I've prepared all the audio files. Yep. So... I'm not sure where I was going with that sentence. We've got to try live dropping them in as we're talking. I don't actually know watching the thing go across. I don't know how that's going to work, but I will cross that bridge when I come to it. Um, yep. Can we skip, not skip, push the alcohol forwards for the bants? Yeah. Charlie, what are we drinking today? God, what aren't we? What, what aren't, aren't we? we? Mostly mint. <laughs> I accidentally poured too much mint in. So we looked at the cupboard. And we pulled out everything that had been bought for this podcast for season five that we had never finished. Mm-hmm. And we put it all in cool. one cup. Mm-hmm. Imagine a dirty pint, but it's all filled with spirits that we have drunk at some point during season five. 
Um, yeah, I, I had don't to talk remember Hannah the out of putting out of date beer in it. <laughs> I don't remember the details of what's in here, but there's definitely butterscotch, two types of schnapps, blue curacao, crumbs a month, which I accidentally poured too much of in, um, and a load of other shit. It's luminous green. Yeah, it looks radioactive. We, take a fo- we should take a photo of this. Yeah, one sec. Do you know when we were like, we'll tell you the drinks before we air an episode? We can't tell you this one. Nope. <laughs> That's really nice. <laughs> The main two flavours are mint and butterscotch. Yeah, minty butterscotch. But it's really not that bad. It's not great. I mean, yeah, I'm not calling it great, but it's not bad. For every... for Think of all the shit I put in there. It could be a lot worse. It could be worse. I think that's my review. It could be worse. And that's what we're drinking today. It's yep. very green. Do you want to welcome some new patrons? Yeah! Ooh. So, to start with, a supersonic size thank you to Sophie. A vagina size thank you to Vera. An angel size thank you to Angela. A yo-yo size thank you to Yolanda, who is our new producer level patron. A Helen of Troy size thank you to Helena. A kilt size thank you to Katie. A swampy marsh size thank you to Marsha. A candid thank you to Cameron. A Draco Malfoy size thank you to Draco Sexy Ass. I'm so excited that someone gave themselves a silly name. We've never had one of those before. Thank you, Draco's sexy ass. A rickish... <laughs> Good. A... Good. Ah! A ricochet size thank you to Rachel. An Orlando Bloom size thank you to Orla. A catatonic size thank you to Katie. Another Katie. Yeah, yeah, several Katie's. Thank you all so much for joining the Patreon. There's a lot of you, and th- that's because we're actually doing stuff at the moment. Whoa! Whoa! Look yeah. at us! We released the Albania vlog. We also released the picnic vlog from back in the summer, which made us like reminisce about it where we did the meetup. No, that won't be it. Oh, yes, it no, will. will. Yes, it will. Yeah, that will have just gone you up. You doubted me. Oh, I can't remember my own schedule. Yeah, that vlog is the most chaotic. I thought the Albania vlog was chaos and then you sent me the picnic vlog and I was like, sweet lord. Yeah, it pretty much ends with us trying to do the splits on a random it's street. It's like a half an hour vlog and the first 15 minutes are Charlie dyeing her hair. <laughs> <laughs> and then it ends with can these two drunken fools do the splits on the street? And then we both just see a man and go, hello, sir. <laughs> it sounds so British. Yeah. Well, we're actually, we're vlogging today. Yeah. Because uh, we went through a phase of just like vlogging loads of our recording days. And uh, turns out people really liked them, but we didn't realise that. So we stopped doing it. And then found out the other day via on Discord now, we now have a room for chatting about new Patreon bonus episodes. Yeah. Found out via that people really liked the random vlog. So now we're doing that again today. And I'm not going to lie to you, Hannah. Uh, this vlog starts with me doing my entire skincare routine so that's all right there are seven different time lapses of me in this vlog doing housework no one wants this no one wants a silent <laughs> clip of you doing housework put really quickly. music over it bitch <laughs> no i'm just gonna leave it deadly silent no oh you know what i'm, I'm just gonna do like ominous like <laughs> horror movie music <laughs> or 2014 zoella music do 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 yes but on please. ukulele obviously <laughs> oh, God. uh yeah so you can all have that to look forward to if you sign on as a five dollar above patron and um, you can have access to the discord as a two dollar above patron whoa that's less than one coffee a month it is and it helps us we also have a review this is from hedgehog baker which <laughs> do they very... bake hedgehogs i pictured it more as like a ratatouille kind of situation i hope 
they don't bake hedgehogs. I'm hoping if it's a person, they bake hedgehog cakes, you know, with the chocolate fingers. Yeah. No, I think it's a hedgehog kitten in someone's hat uh, directing them how to bake. Cool. New favourite. Oh my golly, I'm sad I just can't be real friends with Hannah and Charlie. Just discovered this podcast and I'm absolutely adoring it. I'm so excited to listen along and see what sort of things change in their lives and perspectives over the years of doing this. And I just really love listening to them. Highly recommend to all true Harry Potter fans. Well, well, Hedgehog Baker, we get sadder and a lot more (laughs) angry at the world. (laughs) Have fun with that section where we go into COVID. We still get tweets from people that are listening to us in like March 2020 being like, maybe in a few months we'll be listening back to this. Like, wow, that was an overreaction. Also, I listened to the first episode we recorded separately the other day. Not the whole episode, the first 10 minutes, because I was trying to see what we were saying about lockdown. Yeah. And you made a joke like, maybe this will be completely irrelevant in 2024. And I was like, lol. If only. If only. If only. Imagine it just in, in two years' time. Just no one remembered. Just, oh, we all forgot that COVID thing. Remember when that happened? That was weird. That was weird. Yeah, so that's going to be it for top of the episode stuff. So now we're going to get into what our listeners have to say. There's not going to be too much structure this episode. So just kind of sit back and enjoy. And enjoy. Yeah. All right, so first up we have Alex. Hey, so first I will take this opportunity to thank you for your podcast. As you know, I met my partner through the silly little Harry Potter (laughs) podcast Discord server. Oh my god, it's this, And I am moving across the continent to live with them. My personal journey with Harry Potter, though, has been quite rocky for the last few years. Mm. And consuming any HP content is tough most of the time. But when I do it, it is through this podcast. Oh. Order of the Phoenix is my favorite in the series. And that's because it shows grief in a realistic way. So my question for you guys is, do you think as the characters go through more and more pain in the future books, you might have a therapist on your podcast, considering oh. the kids in Hogwarts never dead? And if anything, getting drunk with a therapist sounds like a great time. <laughs> Cheers. Have a good one. I don't even know where to start. First of all, I think I, I should be doing more than just getting drunk with a therapist. Uh, I'd <laughs> like to say that, first of all, Alex, you have a lovely voice. Just, yeah. I had never heard you speak yeah, before, and that he was does. great. Alex is our biggest fan. He loves us so much, especially me. He's obsessed with me. He loves me. He definitely doesn't hate me at all. He loves me. It's wild that we introduce some people and now one of them is moving across the world yeah and they keep being evasive about the fact that we need to be the ones to officiate their wedding they don't seem to understand that we're being serious yeah absolutely and even if they have like a small wedding we're um, coming even if they don't invite us we're coming oh yeah yeah yeah. we're turning up we're finding out where and when and yeah we'll do all of that don't don't worry alex we'll be there we will whether you want us or, or not, not. Um, um this is actually something i hadn't thought about like having a therapist on i think it's a, it's yeah, a great idea i know because we've thought about like a few things like a few kind of genres of people yeah <laughs> unfortunately because of covid my friend lucy who's a journalist never got to come on for the yeah. Rita skeeter episodes i need to kind of see if there's any more journalistic points that would really work for her point of view there or will, whether, definitely or if not we'll do a bonus catch-up episode at some point but yeah maybe yeah. a season eight one yeah like an overview View of, of journalism. journalism in the harry potter world yeah i think my main issue with potentially having a therapist on would be like 
if I found a therapist like cool enough and chill enough to want to come on, it would be inappropriate to have them on because I would just want them to be my actual, actual therapist. therapist. Yeah, we actually don't know any therapists personally. No. It's almost like they won't make friends with us. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, no. They're These just, girls I would have work for free way too much. <laughs> no, that is something I absolutely, I would love to do. Um, I'm trying to think. And even if we didn't get them on it doesn't fit nicely into season six or season seven that could actually be a cool season eight series like getting like people on yeah who do like jobs that can feed into different opinions yeah. in harry potter if anyone knows any like chill cool therapists con- well content creator therapists like maybe mm. like therapists podcasters or just general like content creators that could be a good option for us to get on let us know who they are because yeah I, I i absolutely love this idea um next up we have anna hi charlie and hannah this is anna and i want to talk about the scene after the dementor attack at the beginning of order of the phoenix cast your mind with the dursleys i've always loved this scene because of the way it blurs the line between the muggle and magical worlds and one of my favorite moments is when aunt petunia gets the howler from dumbledore and the interesting thing about this is when Dumbledore says, remember my last, we think he's referring to the letter he left on the doorstep with the frozen block baby. <laughs> and as far as we know, that letter wasn't a howler, so Petunia would not have heard Dumbledore's voice. And we know that even Harry did not recognize Dumbledore's voice in this instance, even though Harry's talked to Dumbledore. And I can't imagine Dumbledore sending howlers to Petunia in the intervening years because Harry probably would have heard it if he had. So, does this mean that Petunia and Dumbledore have met in person? Do they have assignations where they meet out at muggle cafes and Dumbledore tries to convince Petunia to leave Vernon? (laughs) Maybe not super realistic, but I think it's a fun line of thought and I'd love to hear what you think. I mean, I love to think that whilst he's going over to his beard's house, <laughs> Mrs. Fick, yeah, that, you know, when he goes over there for like a Irish coffee, that he then stops by just to be like, hey, Petunia, sup? <laughs> I like to think he doesn't say anything. He just stands at the kitchen window when he knows Vern isn't there, <laughs> just looking at her while she's like, until she appears to do the washing up and she's like, bah! <laughs> yeah. I this is just continuing what I'm sure will be an ongoing theme of me just now making continuous references to Name of the Wind the King Killer trilogy because it's so good if you if anyone's listening to this that wants just like irresistibly good fantasy Hannah's sick of me talking about it it's so fucking good (laughs) but there's a character in that called Elodin who is everything I've ever wanted Dumbledore to be. This is mm. such a tangent, but he's just like, like picture just what the potential that Dumbledore had. Okay, okay. And Elodin is everything. And I'm just like, this is just one of the best characters I've ever read. He's so good. So good. Okay. And now whenever I like, whenever there's like a quirky old man wizard, like Dumbledore being all quirky, like standing outside Aunt Petunia's window, I'm just like, Elodin would do it better. Okay, cool. It is funny that Petunia recognises the voice because, yeah, all we know canonically is that Dumbledore left a letter. Yeah. So why would she remember his last? Yeah. She has to have met him. Well, she's also written to him previously. She wrote to him as a child. So she does, like, know of him Mm. in that sense, but there's still never a, a point where we know they met in person. Yeah. I just still 
we've talked about this. It's just so irresponsible to me that he just hands over Harry's life with a letter to explain. Like, he's like, oh, yeah, your sister died. Here, here's a note. Here's a baby. With a baby. I can't like, be bothered to talk to you. But the same thing then in book two when they think Ginny's dead and they're like, yo, Percy, go write a note to your mum. <laughs> like, what? But I do love this other world where... Dumbledore is meeting Petunia like leave Vernon and she's like no and he's he's like divorce him yeah (laughs) he's the classic gay bestie being like you're too good for him you can do the nosy bitch thing alone yeah I like that I, I like that because yeah it does bring up this plot hole of like why does she recognize the voice but Harry doesn't and mm. that's weird okay next up we have Arthur okay hi I am Arthur and I have three things i'd like to talk about first of all hermione's parents i believe that they were not abusive but i do like the theory that she didn't have a good relationship with them i think they're more neglectant secondly character couples i you started to talk about how you really like the couple of harry and luna i love that it's amazing Ginny should have gone with neville i actually really like ron and hermione yes and then we don't care about the rest of them. <laughs> <laughs> Lastly, which is for me the most important one, is the subject of Harry crying. I think that it is a good thing that J.K. Rowling didn't write him crying for most of the books because in the last book, Harry um, starts to cry a lot after seeing his parents' graves. And mm. I think that this is both a sign of the emotional impact that that had and Harry's growth as a character to know that he can express his emotions. So those are my three things. And I love you guys. Thank you so much for making me smile every single day. Bye. Oh, Arthur, that's so sweet. Thank you. That's really fucking sweet. Um, Thank you. Point one, I would argue that neglect is abuse. Yeah, it depends on obviously like the level of yeah. neglect, but yeah, definitely. Yeah. Point two was about the couples. So uh, it, Harry, Luna, Neville, Ginny, and Ron Hermione. Yeah, I love the idea of Neville Ginny, but I don't actually see it working. I kind of do. Yeah, I just think it's the opposites attract. Like I think that J.K. made a really dumb thing of like Ginny and Harry are too similar. Okay, and I just think that Neville and Ginny are like so opposite that it works. Mm. Like I think that they would complement each other. Yeah, I mean it would be very like everyone's paired off together, but yeah, I kind of I I do like it. Yeah, but that's why I never liked it when people shipped Luna and Neville because I was like they don't all have to pair up. No. That's not how things work. No, it's nice that they ended up with different people. And it doesn't mean they can't all hang out after school. It just means that, like, the dinner parties are more fun because you've got Hannah Abbott and Rolf Scamander. Yeah, exactly. It's, like, the same as when people, like... Because I'm re-watching Friends right now for some bizarre reason. So am I. Which season are you on? I'm on four. Ross and Rachel just got married. 
Oh, God, you're well ahead of me, man. Yeah, we're on four. Yeah, it's like when people want Joey and Phoebe to no, end up together. No, I hate together. that. No. no, I hate it. And I'm also like, they don't all have to end up together. And also, their friendship is the most beautiful thing. So Neil has never watched... This is such a tangent. Neil has never watched Friends before. And we just got to the bit where Joey agrees to give up meat for the mm. remaining six months of Phoebe's pregnancy. And I'm like, they are like friendship soulmates yeah. with nothing romantic between them. And yeah. I love that. Like, no, it's I love beautiful. it. I love it. Like, he's so sweet. Like, I hate... I hate Phoebe, but Joey is so sweet in that what moment. What have you got against Phoebe? She is... Okay. She's one of two things. She is either genuinely both thick and mentally unbalanced. It, yeah, she is. Or she is massively attention-seeking. The first one. She's had so much trauma. But, like, it's all... But then... It's never written about in like a serious enough way. That's true. It's like she says some things that are genuinely concerning that if she genuinely like thinks, believes those things are like concerning and it's never like tackled in like a, hey, yo, what the fuck? This is actually like, so then it just comes across like a joke. Like she's just saying this in like a jokey attention seeking way. And Mm. I really dislike that. It's like, it's like the writers didn't want to choose whether like, and it just makes her seem like this really like attention seeking. I will say she's a lot that they kind of because they change all of their characters, like they make them all what do they call it? Like flanderization in the last few seasons. She gets a lot worse in the last few seasons, the same as all of them. Yes. This is what I'm actually finding because I love Monica and, and Chandler as a couple so so much. But so much. I've just gotten to the point where they're like they've been together about a year at this point. Yeah. And about a year into their relationship, her as a character gets so much worse. Yes. Like she is insufferable. Yeah. And, and she was so lovable for the first like three, yeah. four seasons. Yeah. And I've never noticed this before, I think, because I watched it just like not here chronologically, yeah, yeah, yeah. bits and pieces when I was quite young. And this is my first time chronologically watching through as an adult. Um, but yeah, it's it's my boyfriend's like favourite show. And when I first found that out, I said to him like, oh, like, who are your favourite characters? Who are you, your least favourite? And it was actually a red flag that he said one of his least favourites were Monica. And I was like, Oh, but oh, I'm Monica. I'm a Monica. And then I've been re-watching it, getting quite upset, because I'm like, I'm literally Monica. Why does he hate her? And now I've gotten to this point where I'm like, I hate Monica. Yeah. She just becomes weird. Yeah. Like, yeah. irritating and weird at a certain point. It's yeah. Like the writing just went so odd. Well, they just took, like, one quality in all of them and exaggerated it to high hell yeah. in the last few seasons. This yeah. is so off topic. What was <laughs> Arthur's third point? Okay, the crying thing. We yes. were about to go listen to it. I see what you mean about the emotional payoff because I had kind of forgotten that he does openly cry in book seven, that that is written into the text. Mm. I can't remember the way it's written. I'm excited to get to it. But I do think you've got a really good point about the emotional payoff of that because... We kind of don't see Harry tackle his parents' death. Like, we see him tackle it in different ways, but the actual reality of him being like, oh my God, I'm standing in front of their grave and they're dead is a big payoff in book seven. But I don't think that justifies the... Of, the the Because it's not like she wrote in, like, he can't cry because mm. there are people that can't cry and then he does cry. It's just more like she... Didn't want him to. Yeah, and used language which was like, huh, he might be. Yeah, I... I agree. I'm like, I think that, yeah, it's a great literary moment. But I think in terms of if we're talking about like real world impact here, I think that when we have like the male suicide rates so high because men are 
raised to be so like emotionally stunted and you know oh you can't cry it's not masculine I just think in terms of the good it would have done for JK especially Mm. how wide reaching the book's got which admittedly at first she didn't know but at this point she 100% knew I just think it's more important to have them cry like and I'm going to bring it back I'm really sorry again to Name of the Wind consider this from this point forward this is a podcast about Harry Potter and Taylor Swift and Name of the Wind um (laughs) Because I'm just going to be comparing everything to it. But Name of the Wind has a male protagonist who openly cries multiple times frequently throughout the books. And it's so refreshing to read. And and I have a lot of criticisms about that that series in terms of like the gender representation but this is something that i really love in it like he just cries and he'll cry in front of like the female like romantic interest and stuff like that he he just cries so this is people are gonna be like hannah please stop being so obsessed with bridgerton oh no <laughs> but i no. I okay wait sorry no this is now a harry, harry potter, potter taylor swift, swift and name of the wind and, and bridgerton, bridgerton <laughs> podcast and but buffy bridgerton is a soup like a trashy just feel good silly it's silly okay it's silly but i was watching the trailer for season two and i was like oh wow anthony's crying in the Mm. trailer like they've got him crying and then i was like the duke cried in season one yeah they are showing men crying in every season of this this is fucking brilliant this is why i love shonda rhimes like (laughs) i was just like I, i like i was thinking about this conversation we'd been having and literally they're showing anthony crying in the trailer and i was like yes cry Anthony no, it's good we need to normalize it by having it shown as much as possible yeah especially in a like well in everything but you know like Bridgerton is a regency thing where it's even yeah. more so like men are like I ride horses and I am handsome that's, that's exact, the theme that, tune that for was Bridgerton. actually no that was the script of the first episode <laughs> <laughs> okay next up we have Cameron out of all the drinks you've drunk what have been your personal high points and what have been your personal low points? <laughs> what was your favourite drink you've drunk and what was the most disgusting drink <laughs> you've drunk in all your episodes of Goblet of Wine? Oh, great oh, question, Cameron. I love right. that you went for a drink question. Yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, um, I actually think saying the favourite is like one of the hardest. I feel like the really good ones just blend in. Because we've drunk a lot that we just like. Like we've we've drunk like punk IPA before, which is one of my favourite beers. Yeah, yeah, we've drunk so much, which I'm just like, yeah, this is great. That I kind of forget. Do you know what we haven't done yet? We haven't really done something where we treat ourselves to something fancy. Like mm. maybe we should do that at some point. What's fancy? I don't know. Um, maybe we could buy a wine, a bottle of wine over six pounds. <gasps> Let's talk about the bad ones. We and hopefully the good ones will come to something us. Something coffee flavored once, didn't we? Yes, I had coffee we did on the Irish brain. Coffees or something. I swear, I swear, we did Irish coffee. And that I was really, really liked when we invented Luna drinks separately. Yeah, that, that was, really was nice. that was a really nice way to utilize us being apart, and it really made like a a good not a good, but like a nice thing out of being apart. It gave us like a unique twist on being apart, yeah. which was really really nice to do. Yeah, that think- was probably one of my highlights in terms of. Because recording apart, every time we recorded apart, I got this sense of like, oh, I just wish we could be together. Mm. And that added, like when we did the Luna Love Good thing, it added a level of fun yeah. that hadn't been present in recording apart. So that's probably the highlight that I can think of on top of my, on, off the top, especially because it then didn't line up with the Luna Love Good chapter. It yeah. just made it fucking hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Classic us. Yeah. Okay. In terms of the worst. Obviously, we've got the raw egg and mayo situation. Yeah, uh, the corn wine. The corn wine. And the, what was the French one? Uh, to be honest, I think the French one was the worst. I, 
Yep. The I think cor- that the or the egg was the one. most humiliating for me. <laughs> the way that it got stuck on my lip and I just had to... And you weren't yeah. here to witness. So I was just on my own in drinking lockdown. An drinking an egg. Like, that yeah. is... What a low point I've hit in my life. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, we're, like, we weren't joking. That fucking chartreuse yeah. in the last few episodes was the worst I, thing we've been given. I genuinely think it's that or maybe the corn wine i feel like they were quite similar see i want to know how bad the corn wine was because i kind of have it in my head that maybe it wasn't the worst thing ever but we had built it up to be something nice and also it had this like oh like this sad story attached to it like oh this is a bottle from neil's Mm. uncle's house who died and we're gonna drink it in memory and then we were like what No, I, I, it was all flavours at once. I mean, we've got shots to do next episode. We can do another shot of it if you want. Yeah, let's do it. Let's oh, God, test I regret that. that. I'm like how I'm like, it was one of the worst things. <laughs> and then I'm like, we can do another. Let's do it again. I'm also trying to think, we're only talking about season five. I'm trying to think of the whole history of the podcast. Oh, God. And the, we've done 80. Do you remember we've like drunk season 88. one or two when we pretty much just drank beer and wine? <laughs> Yeah, or like one a flavored gin. Yeah. We've done eighty eight alcohols. It's crazy. I really wish we had like a list. If anyone is ever like, I'm gonna go back and do like a re listen to the entire Please thing. Please write them all and down. And you want for to write us. us down? I genuinely like because I have everything from when we begun our new organizational system forward. Yeah, but that's only halfway through the podcast. Yeah. But yeah, genuinely, if anyone don't don't do it on purpose, but if anyone's like, oh, I'm gonna start from the beginning because I want to. And you feel like writing down the alcohols we and sending really them to us. We'll, we'll like that. record like a video for you or oh, something yeah, to 100%. say thank you. Or like if you want, we'll do. We'll answer a special question. Like tell us what you want. And I'll we'll show do you that my tits. No. Okay, I won't show you mine. <laughs> I won't show you mine. I'm I'll sorry. send you special misu photos. <laughs> yeah, we'll send you photos of Hannah's pussy. <gasps> The cat. Oh, another low point would be Hannah's butter beers. <laughs> okay, by the end of this podcast, I am going to make a good butter beer. No, you're not. Yes, I am. I love you dearly. You're not good at cocktails. Oh, I just dropped my. Phone. That is not true. I am good at cocktails. What are we currently drinking, Hannah? <laughs> Minty piss water. <laughs> exactly. It's <laughs> just the name of this episode. Genuinely, I am feeling myself getting a headache. I can feel it oh, right, yeah, here. Right, right here. Oh, yeah, here. Right here. Yeah. We'll have some water soon. Next, we have Indiana. <laughs> okay, so um, I think I remember in one of the early episodes, someone mentioned that um, the veil could be used as like a method of execution or used to be. But there's this theory made by the YouTuber Super Carlin Brothers that basically says that the veil could have been like a first attempt of what would later become the resurrection stone along with the mirror of erised for the elder wand and the pensive for the cloak there's a lot of evidence for it in interviews and potomo i can't summarize it it's too much but what are your thoughts i love you guys and the podcast Bye. Oh, wait. Hold on. No, hold on. I get it. So, as in, like the not as in literally item per item, but as in those were those three things were supposed to be the Deathly Hallows, but they were like early trials of it. Yeah. So those three things were going to become the Deathly Hallows, and then she realised it wouldn't work or something. No, that wasn't what she was saying. I, that's how I I read it as it. like these were wizards' early attempts at things like that. 
Well, we'll have to go watch that Super Carla Brothers video, won't we? Okay, what I'm getting from like a skim read is that this seems like a very complicated theory. <laughs> what I vote we do. I think that this needs more time okay. than we can give it. Yeah. So what I'm going to say is either we turn this into a season eight episode or a Patreon bonus episode, I think those but are... we send it directly to Indiana. I think those are both great ideas because this seems really interesting and i don't want to rush i don't want to answer right now without us having watched the video yeah and think about it yeah Yeah, i agree indiana like i yeah we'll send you the video directly we might release it as a patreon bonus episode and we might release it as a season uh, season eight we won't get to for two years so maybe a patreon bonus yeah Sorry for anyone that isn't on Patreon. That we're there. Just <laughs> if like, anyone's wait. like, I really want to know their answer to this. Pay, pay us. <laughs> Maybe I'll drop just this episode down to the $2 tier mm. rather than the $5 tier. I'm sorry for that absolute cop out, but we're both like, uh, this sounds great. Yeah, it just I'm really interested. Even glancing at like the comments on it, I'm like, I'm really interested in this series. So I, I don't want especially, us to just... Especially because like, I don't love all the Super Carlin Brothers videos. I think they sometimes take very simplistic views of Harry Potter, but this sounds like really interesting. Yeah. So um, thank you for creating a new episode for us. <laughs> Next up, we have Jessica. Hi, Charlie. Hi, Hannah. A big good day from all of your Australian listeners. Oh my God, um, I just wanted to say that the mirror that Sirius gives Harry at the end of book five is described as looking very old and dirty. And Sirius says that James and him used to use these for class. So I think that the mirror that Harry has was the actual one that his dad used to have, which really is interesting when it plays into the serious seeing Harry as James dynamic. And it also makes that whole scene a lot more sad, even though it is already a sad scene of when you think about Harry destroying the mirror, mm. since he has so little actual stuff that belonged to his parents uh so on that sad note i uh, love you guys keep doing what you're doing bye thank you thank you um, yeah i agree i think it i think it was his actual dad's what i'm what i'm kind of more interested in is where these mirrors came from originally and yeah. why they're not more commonly used in the wisdom world and i'm interested in how sirius ended up with it or james were they james's originally and sirius just no got as left in with them. as in then james died and Sirius ended up with having... both. Well, that's a good point. How did Sirius end up with both? Especially, like, yeah, end up with both. And then where did they go when he was in Azkaban? Well, presumably... Oh, yeah, because he didn't live at his parents' house. He lived at... He lived in a flat, he says. He got his own place. Yeah. So where was his stuff? Because, <sighs> like, normally they check your stuff into, like, prison, right? But not he... all your stuff, just what you come in in. Your yeah. property is just like. I know, but frozen. then, like, even that, he broke out. <laughs> like, they're not going to give it back. Yeah, and how on earth did he get James's mirror unless he had both before James died? It would have been in the house. Mm. Oh, hold on. He did go to the house because he said to Hagrid, let me take Harry. But that's so such he... a random thing to grab. But if he saw it there. And he knew he had the other one. I can see him grabbing it and just being like, in case. Yeah. And just being like, I have the I other guess, one and I but want then this. I just, but then he went straight to beef with Pettigrew. And then straight to Azkaban. So I, yeah. So maybe they got seized and... I, God, I don't know. Yeah. Weird. Weird. But Unless... yeah, I think I think it is... It's so heartbreaking that Harry in that moment of grief smashes it because, yeah, you're right, it is his dad. And it's also an awesome piece of magic that we yeah. never see again in the wisdom world. Yeah. He's Unless... probably smashed something really fucking valuable. Yeah. 
maybe Dumbledore knew from their time at Hogwarts that they used these mirrors. Mm. And then when he went to the house, he found it and was like, yoink. Interesting. Thank you. I like, you know, we love the mirror stuff. And by love, I mean, it traumatizes us at night. Okay, next up we have Claudia. Hello, I'm Claudia. I'm from Poland and I have two questions for you. So I hope that it's not illegal. But my first question is, what do you think is the best hookup place (laughs) in the Hogwarts or Hogsmeade or, you know, basically the place when students can go? And uh, the second one is, uh, how do you think perfect bathroom works? Because I was thinking to myself that if I was a perfect, I would take in a bath every day, every evening. That is also a good hookup place. (laughs) So, yeah. And do you think that there are already uh, some enchantments? Uh, so no one could walk in on you, for example, when you are having sex with like a school buddy or you are having a poo and like someone walks in on you and stuff. And also, oh, I have one question more. Like what do you think? Like imagine you are using a bathroom and moaning Marshall is like in a fucking toilet do you think that could happen like i think that could happen and i would never use a bathroom in a hogwarts no more anyway that was kind of like i digressed but you know maybe you you don't have to answer any question i guess (laughs) but i just wanted to say because I well I don't have time but I love you and I am here since the beginning and I will be That's with so you till the very end Aww. so a love from me and bye bye okay now I feel like crying thank you and oh, also you, I love your brain I that... love that all your brain was sex and toilet stuff <laughs> sex and poo just like where can I have sex where can I have a shit that's like my entire thought process at any moment ever that was the most brilliant message thank you so much oh, that was iconic oh um, gosh okay first room one. of requirement for banging clearly yeah if you know about it room of requirement yeah, obviously because you can lock it from the want. inside no one else can come in and any you're like okay we need like a sex toy we need some rope we need a sex swing boom it's there if you wanted literally like what looked like an outdoor field of like woo done <laughs> mine and hannah's minds are very different i was just thinking you know different I'm like students. Sex swing she's like romantic background <laughs> yeah room requirement prefect bathroom i've mm. always thought that um no, I am a hundred percent sure though that most hookups happen on the astronomy tower. Why? Because students are stupid, and not all of them are prefects, and none of them know about the room requirement, and they think the astronomy tower is like the most out of the way. I would have gone Forbidden Forest. Like Too the scary. I'm sorry, everyone as teenagers got fingered in a forest, right? <laughs> I just think most ha- hookups happen on the astronomy tower. I th- I think in the woods. Are we out of the woods yet? Too scary. Just like just like a few trees in. Enough that you're not seen. I also think the the giant squid has seen more than he wants to see. <laughs> 
what people are doing at Twilight style in the water. I meant at the side of the lake, but sure. But that's surely really out in the open. It's where Harry and Ginny do it. True. It's like whenever you go to a nice view in London and there's always someone finger banging. No, I have told you this story, yeah. haven't I? Of the yeah, that yeah. was traumatizing. Uh, uh, where else is there in? There's so many places but the thing is they have magical locking charms that can be unlocked really easily but you could just mm. go to a disused classroom they make it sound like there's cupboards on every floor yeah. none of these are good and safe but no um okay prefix bathroom i am assuming it has an enchantment on it that when someone in, is in there no one else can get in that... even if you sell it the password it's like nah bitch i agree but it just seems so impractical in terms of like sh- you need more than one person to be able to like have a shower at the same time you know if like but there's only eight prefects but then and they describe it as hermione says you can use our bathrooms i think there's like three yeah that's i, I think no the there's not eight prefects there's eight 16 how... 24 there's 24 prefects I think the real problem here is how the films portrayed it as one massive orgy bath. Yeah. When really, I think it should be more like little like kind of spa room kind of things. I don't mind it being one room because I don't think... If I assume there's more than one bathroom, I assume there's minimum two. And... I just think that... I, I just think... In terms and also of, they can use a normal not... bathroom. Like, grow up. Huh? They can use a normal bathroom. yeah. But I just, I don't know. I think it has to be like lots of smaller ones because otherwise, I don't know. I just think with that many prefects and you think like they've got a limited amount of hours during the day, like it's going to be morning or evening. To I take also a don't bath. think they use it daily. They should be washing daily. No, I think they do their normal washes in their dorm bathrooms and then just when they want a special bath, they go to the prefects one. No, because I think the appeal is like, if you're going to like a boarding school where mm. you're having to share with like loads and loads and loads and loads and loads of other students, this is like one of the only perks of being a prefect that but you then... get to use a bathroom used by only like a dozen other students. But then it's really weird that it's not attached to their dorms. They just have to walk with all their bath things yeah. down a random corridor like do 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 do. Yeah. It's like when I was in uni and I would have to like walk through the town to go do my laundry. Yeah, like that. Yeah. But yeah, I assume that they lock from the inside automatically with a spell when someone comes in. So if someone wants to hook up, they have to go and open the door for the other person. Mm. I just, I think it's lots of smaller bathrooms and I think the films just had a weird orgy interpretation. Sure. Um, The pooping on Moaning Myrtle's head has definitely happened at least once. Yeah. Or maybe you just get a surprise rooming, depending what she's into. <laughs> she's 14 or something, canonically. <laughs> Doesn't mean she's not into rooming with people of her own age. Yeah, it's happened at least once. Oh, God, But Myrtle she's a ghost, weird. it would just go through her. Yeah, it's fine. I mean, anyway, poor Myrtle. great question. Thank you. Next up, we have Mark. So my question isn't really based on Order of the Phoenix, but mainly throughout the entire books. It's something I've been noticing, and I wonder what you girls think of it. So throughout the story of Harry Potter, good old Professor Severus Snape 
loves to be nasty to Harry, Ron and Hermione, always calling them Potter or <laughs> Weasley. Because I've always noticed, and um, maybe you have as well, but he never calls Hermione just Granger. Instead, he always goes Miss Granger. And I've always wondered why that is. Do you think it could be possibly because, despite his cold, hard demeanour, he actually does respect the skill Hermione has? It's just something I've always wondered about. Um, what do you girls think? First off, great accent. Thank you. I mean, Mark. you should be a voice actor. Yeah, that was fantastic. I just think it's old-fashioned boarding school. It's where the writing is kind of taken off old-fashioned boarding school things where men can be just called by their surname, but it's it, very impolite to just call women by their surname. So they're called Miss something because McGonagall uses Mr. Potter, Mr. Weasley, unless she's very angry and then she goes Potter, Weasley. Yeah. But she does the same thing. She For the girls, she use, mostly uses Miss Patel, Miss mm. Granger. And I think it's just old-fashioned English like what's acceptable yeah and typically you don't you always use a miss before a woman in like old-fashioned english yeah. society i if anything i i see it as the opposite of like a sign of respect if anything i see it as like a sign of distancing himself mm. like there's a level of familiar of familiarity to call someone by their name be it first or last yeah without a title i think when you add a title in there it adds like a formal distancing yeah so if anything, I see it as him trying to distance himself from her, that he's like Miss Granger, almost as if he was having to read her name off a list as opposed to actually knowing it. Yeah. You know? And also, like I say, it's like traditional English things, but on the flip side, it is therefore belittling in a sense that she is treated differently from the boys. Yeah, it, it, it's the way of labelling women um, by saying, okay, this is miss or this is mrs yeah. you know yeah and i think that's not to say that snape doesn't have I, I don't think he has any sort of grudging respect for hermione i think he is perfectly aware of how intelligent she is perfectly aware and i think there are some elements in snape that hate her because in some ways she reminds him of lily mm. she is an extremely intelligent gifted at potions muggle-born who is friends or interacts with a guy who looks like James Potter. Yeah. And I think that is a particular thorn in Snape's side. Yeah. And it might be why, in a lot of cases, he's a lot more personally mean to Hermione than he yeah. is to Ron. Like, he is mean to Ron, but Hermione, he takes personal stabs at. Yeah, yeah. That's a really good point, and I'd actually never thought about that before. I just thought of it on the fly. God, that's so <laughs> smart. <laughs> Look at me. And next up, we have Megan. Hi, Hannah. Hi, Charlie. This is Meg from Canada. What I wanted to ask is, have you ever noticed scenes in the later books that seem to be specifically written for how they could appear on screen? By the time Order of the Phoenix came out, the movies had started, and there are vivid descriptions in all the books, but sometimes when I'm reading the later ones, certain descriptions just seem so well suited to be translated to screen. Sometimes it's things that don't end up in the movies, or sometimes the movie plays out exactly as the book described it. Um, so one example of this is in Chapter 7 of Order of the Phoenix, when Harry first enters the Ministry of Magic in the phone booth elevator with Mr. Weasley and describes everything he's seeing in the Ministry atrium. So like the way the phone booth rises up through the floor and all the wizards and witches coming out through the fireplaces. And of course, there's also scenes where the movie goes off in its own direction entirely. We will not talk about Sirius floating off into space through the archway, but it's something I definitely noticed from time to time. 
So just some food for thought. Um, of course, I can't wait until the TV series that you two direct someday. Which be better <laughs> than any of the movies. Um, thanks for everything you do with the podcast and have a great day. Aww. When people reference their own podcast back at us, actually hearing their voices, I'm like, people listen to us. Yeah, when they're like, you talked about this, and I'm like, shit, yeah, I did. Yeah, wow. <laughs> I think this is almost inevitable and it yeah. is a regret of mine it's not a personal regret <laughs> i think it was a foolish decision for them to start the films before the books were finished foolish i know why they did it from a money perspective yeah. it makes sense but it ruins so many things in terms of not setting up things and then yeah i think it's inevitable that jk rowling then got influenced by what the films were doing i just yeah. think that that is that is completely inevitable yeah and in terms of like specific scenes, I 100% know that there's some that I read and I'm like, this is written for the films. Ask me to name one now. I cannot. <laughs> like, it's always, it's so difficult, isn't it? Yeah. But yeah, there are definitely scenes like that where I'm like, yeah, absolutely. This was written with a film in mind. And yeah, like, it is a shame. Like, you do wonder what would have been. And maybe, maybe it would have been worse. Yeah. But maybe. Yeah. Next up is Nahima, who very kindly wrote out the pronunciation of their name for us. Hi, Charlie and Hannah. I really love your podcast and it's helped me so much. Um, I have a headcanon that I thought of a couple of weeks ago that a bogger is a representation of OCD. I'm not sure J.K. Rowling had this in mind when she was writing it, but I still really like it as an interpretation. So as a bogger is essentially something that's meant to terrify anyone who looks at one, this really reminded me of how I think of OCD, which is really just one disorder but takes several different forms from person to person and can make some things, like obsessions and intrusive thoughts, seem incredibly scary. Something that really made me think of this is when Molly Weasley struggles to get rid of her bogger in The Order of the Phoenix, and as she gets more emotional and cries as she sees her dead family members, they switch around more and terrify her more. This is similar to OCD in that if you add importance to your intrusive thoughts, they seem more scary and your brain reacts to them more. But it can help to separate yourself from your intrusive thoughts by singing them out loud and essentially making them seem silly, which reflects what Ridiculous does to Boggarts. As we know from the series, once you make your Boggart humorous, or not as scary, it stops frightening the victim. I'd really like to hear your opinions on this. Something else I'd like to hear about is the interpretation of Mad-Eye Moody being autistic. I know you've touched on this a bit, but I would love to hear a discussion. Thank you so much for listening to me talk about this, and I can't wait to hear your thoughts. And thank you so much for doing your podcast. It's given me a whole new perspective on the books, and gives me a broader and more educated view on the world bye i love the <laughs> idea of us educating anyone um uh, you also have you you have an amazing a vo voice you have a voice for podcasts like the way yeah. you spoke you Please need to go into podcasts that like, was wow like both of us vanilla. were looking at each other like yeah that was smooth i do not have that much experience with ocd as in like I only kind of have one person I'm relatively close to who has the disorder. I don't think I've met anyone with it. So I I don't... I think that interpretation is is really amazing and something I'd never yeah. thought of. And, and I, I really never, like... And when you first said it, I was like, oh, I don't get it. And then you explained it and I was like, oh, shit, wow. Yeah, yeah. I, I loved that thing at the end about speaking it out loud and making it seem ridiculous in the same way that a lot of irrational fears are like i actually have nothing to be afraid of i really really mm. liked that so I think, I think that's a fantastic interpretation yeah, I, I do love it and i think maybe it could also i feel like the same thing applies for like anxiety like you make your own fears valid sometimes and your own anxiety is valid and sometimes you do have to actually like talk about them to be like hey <laughs> that's silly yeah so 
Yeah, no, I love that. I I really love that interpretation. I think that's really, I love it. Yeah, I absolutely love it. Thank you for like just bringing that up because it's something like as we both just said, we like we don't have much experience with people with OCD. So I think yeah, that's a I'd never really... thought about it before, but now I'm like I can see that. Absolutely. I can 100% see that. As for Moody being autistic, like I I just think this is an interpretation. Like the more I read Moody in the books, the more I kind of see it. Just the way he interacts with people the things he prioritizes like it just yeah i just i just like it for his character i'm here for as many autistic characters as many just in general like neurodivergent characters as possible i want them all all of them please and i also think if you know we're all still celebrating the harry potter not celebrating but we're all still trying to enjoy the harry potter books as much as possible and that's part of what this podcast is about and i think part of that is like separating whatever jk rowling said and if you see a character or a theme in harry potter which you think relates to different neurodivergent or mental illness things then that is absolutely valid because we should view harry potter as our own art form now and like yeah like if you view moody as autistic then he is autistic in your reading if you view hermione as black then she is black in your reading and that is that is like the the beauty of taking this art form into our own yeah and and in terms of gender too which i think is especially important giving jk rowling being a piece of shit but like just fill it with all of your trans headcanons please yeah. like i personally think that tonks is probably non-binary yeah. i think when you look at it and i love that and i just yeah i'm here for us interpreting the characters as we want because the bitch wouldn't give us a representation that we needed so we can totally backfill it yeah like the yeah the harry potter is the community and that sounds really cheesy but it's so true yeah it is we, we've taken this it's, it's ours, ours now <laughs> get off bitch thank you nahima <laughs> that was like wonderful thank you so much okay next up we have nicole hi charlie and hannah my name is nicole and my favorite book in the series is order of the phoenix i think the biggest part of why i love this book so much is the reality of the trauma response that harry displays I know a lot of people think of this book and they think about caps lock Harry or, to be (laughs) honest, asshole Harry. But I really think it's an accurate representation of trauma in young people. I like that it shows that Harry and others can grow and overcome trauma and they can move forward. But it shows that trauma will still always be there and will always have some sort of impact. As a school counselor, I've seen a lot of different reactions to different traumas. Um, And I've seen that it can show itself in many different ways. But I think most often what I've seen is that the trauma displays itself in anger or lashing out at others. So I really think it's great to see that represented in a series that I love so much. I'm always amazed by how Harry gets through the trauma, gets through the difficult experiences that he goes through. But I also think Harry could totally benefit from a school counselor. I don't know how I personally would handle all of that, but I think it's important for somebody to. Let's be real. Harry needs therapy. So thank you guys so much for everything. Um, Over the past three years that I've been listening to the podcast, I have absolutely loved the experience. I've loved every minute of it. And I can finally tell your voices apart about 80% of the time, which is one of my greatest accomplishments. I'm so excited for the next book. Thank you guys for everything. Nicole. This 
Another great voice. Uh, I'm feeling for audiobooks this time. Like, yeah. I kind of want you to read me to sleep. Yeah, that was great. Also, thank you for the amazing work you do as a school counsellor. Yeah, what, absolutely. What and, an amazing job. And yeah, wow. Yeah. Also, for anyone listening, um, we've gotten a lot of comments on our TikTok saying, I can finally tell you apart because of our TikTok. So if you're still struggling, go look at us on TikTok because then you see our visuals and our voices. Also, we are so even more polarised of what we do on TikTok. <laughs> Literally, Hannah makes like really like intelligent fan theory videos and I'm like, here are what characters I would fuck. And I love it because people interact so heavily with both and people are commenting like, I can tell you apart. I'm like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I, I mean, Nicole didn't really ask a question, but I love that interpretation from someone who is like a, yeah. a school, what was her official title? School? Counselor. Counselor, thank you. I always forget that word because it's, like uh we don't really have that word here mm. yeah I, 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 I like that interpretation that because a lot of people bitch about book five and we did too like mm. harry's whiny harry's moany but that it's it's displaying childhood and teenage yeah. grief i think it's really interesting to hear that that is like an accurate portrayal as well yeah because you never really know at the end of the day i think the only people that would know are you know people like school counselors uh therapists and people that foster have been parents maybe teachers you know <laughs> people like that 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 is like the kind of average response i think to the average person like i don't know i don't know shit about teenagers aside from my own experience and my experience with my sister that was hardly average because mm. she was so mentally ill so yeah hearing that that is like a very common trauma response is nice in terms of like hey jk rowling but at least she kind of got that right yeah um and yeah it's very interesting to hear like i feel like you would be a very interesting person to have a conversation with in terms of like hearing about like the different kind of types of responses that people have because Definitely. yeah i feel like the teenage years people don't give them enough credit for how much they suck people talk about how much they suck but i feel like there's a lot of just being like oh it's teenage hormones and it's like your teenage years are rough as fuck so rough so and even rough. if some of that is hormones that doesn't change the reality of it no it doesn't and sometimes i think about why is there so much coming of age media and it's mm. because everyone is trying to like create art or find meaning in this absolute clusterfuck of a time yeah this awful but also meant to be wonderful and sometimes is wonderful time yeah yeah for sure but yeah that that was lovely thank yeah, you thank you next up we have olivia hi guys my name's olivia and i've just finished rereading the goblet fire i just thought i would use this excuse to um bring up the lack of support for the durmstrang students following the end of the triwizard tournament so obviously it finishes the way it finishes carcroft leaves and the students are now saying goodbye um, in the sort of courtyard. I mean, I don't know if it's in the courtyard. I imagine it's in the courtyard because of the movie. But they're saying goodbye and Ron says, oh, I wonder how they're going to get back or can they steer the ship without Carcroft? So Crum blatantly says he didn't help anyway. He was always in his cabin and he didn't like contribute to the work. But I just thought it was interesting that after everything that's just happened, now these boys are... 17-year-old boys are expected to sail across the Atlantic Ocean with no adult supervision and um, get back to school safely. So this is just another example of, you know, the staff and um, professors of Hogwarts not giving a shit for the safety and welfare of these students, even if they're from their school or not. Um, anyway, one other thing I was 
thinking it was more relevant is just a plot hole that I came across on Twitter that Dennis Creevy is too young to be in Hogsmeade in The Order of the Phoenix. Um, it's sort of explicitly said in the third book that he, or that it's only third year students that are allowed to go and he would have only been in second year. So I thought it was just a nice point of discussion that's more relevant for the for the book that we've just finished. So yeah, and I love the podcast. I'm Irish, if you can already tell, and I really enjoyed the Guinness discussion on the last episode just I'm so familiar with the discussion especially for men in my family around the taste of Guinness be it draft in a can etc and the factors that contribute who pours it what mood you're in what color the sky is um so yeah and also I've just signed up to discord and I really want to join the chats and I'm in Gryffindor so Hopefully I can contribute to the points. Um, so yeah, thanks. Oh, okay, first of all, I'm in love with you. Wow. Your voice is hot as fuck. Most I will leave right. my boyfriend for you. Um, Charlie needs one Irish person I, for another. Yes, I didn't listen to a word you said. Um, <laughs> but also, if you enjoyed the Guinness chats, I then enjoyed, I hope that you enjoyed the bastardization. And also listening to a fellow Irish person. Okay, Durmstrang yeah. people, the lack of support. Just yep. take it just as a compliment what? that we're both so in love with you that we're like, what did she say? <laughs> it's embarrassing for us. <laughs> embarrassing. Okay, um, yes, Durmstrang people's and the lack of support. Just classic Hogwarts. We didn't even comment on it or pick up on it because, yeah, Hogwarts, man. Yeah, Hogwarts. exactly. Like, the bar is fucking low. Yeah. They can sail a ship. Yeah. But also... What scares me more is, which we didn't really talk about, is the lack of support for Crumb, for the fact yeah. that he was imperious and forced yes. to torture a friend. Like, he is canonically in the books friendly with Cedric. He yeah. liked Cedric and Cedric liked him. And he was forced to torture him. Yeah. And I also think, like, because this is a thought that came up when she was talking about it, aside from, oh my God, her accent, was like the fact that, yeah, like, especially in terms of his his personal reputation and the school's reputation, like he's got his career to think of. Mm. And it's like, at this point, no one knows that Voldemort's back. People don't believe it. They yeah. don't believe what's going on. So then is it like, oh, the school that has like a, let's face it, like racist reputation of being very like dark and evil because it's from like i don't know eastern europe or whatever yeah is then that's going more into it that we had this student you know curse another one and stuff like did this kill his quidditch career like what effect did this have like with the school's reputation like what support did dumbledore give give did he give any support to being like hey Crumb was imperious. Like this could have ruined his Quidditch we, career. We don't know because Harry is so traumatized. We yeah. don't have access to any of this information. I hope Crumb was given, you know, the support he needed, as was the rest of the Durmstrang pupils. But we don't know. As for Dennis Creevy being <laughs> in Hogsmeade in Book Five, I cannot believe us two of all people didn't pick up on this. Thank you for pointing this out. I'm oh. gonna go now find this and get annoyed about it yeah definitely <laughs> thank you <laughs> i can't believe we didn't notice that and neither can i i'm shocked at yeah. us next up is rachel hey guys so order of the phoenix is my favorite slash comfort book in the series and i've read it 
way too many times. I don't know why, because Umbridge is kind of a bitch in the book. Hmm. Anyways, speaking of Umbridge, her doing all the restrictions really just hit different when COVID happened. Like, spring Mm. of 2020, when there started being, like, like school was canceled, you couldn't go out, you had to wear a mask, all that. When it was so new, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm in the fifth Harry Potter book. (laughs) That was kind of scary, but now, however, I'm used to it. But that still doesn't, like, take away from Umbridge being a bitch. Anyways, that's my thoughts. And also, in the fourth book, you guys said that you're going to be taking a shot every time someone died. And maybe I just didn't listen. I don't think you took a shot for Sirius, so R.I.P. Sirius. Oh, no. Oh, no. Fuck you. For fuck's sake, Rachel, don't listen to us that closely. Why do we say things? That's... That's another. Okay, so next episode that we record, we were already going to have to do three each, and now we have to do four each. Has we're anyone else a big dinner? Has anyone else died? No, it's just serious, <laughs> isn't it? Thank Agreed. you for holding us accountable. Uh, that COVID is kind of like book five. Yeah, no, it it, it was. Yeah, it is. It is. It's also just like a dark fucking cloud over a period of time in the same way yeah drink your fucking blue drink i'm really done drink it so do i next up we have rhiannon hi hannah and charlie i have a couple of head cannons about order of the phoenix i wish to share with you yes they focus on the two eldest weasleys because i believe the stories that were told in the books don't really add up the first one is bill they say in the book that he stays at home to help the order but I'm convinced that he stays in the UK because Arthur and Molly were worried about them being killed and leaving Ron and Ginny and the twins alone. They, Arthur probably particularly asked Bill to stay to look after them just in case anything happened to them and the kids weren't told, so it saved them from worrying. In the books, they claim that Charlie stays in Romania because it's his job to involve international wizards but the only non-British witch and wizard that we ever see involved in the war is Karkaroff and eventually Fleur when she marries the Weasleys. Charlie's supposed contacts make no difference in the story either. My headcanon to excuse the bad writing of just ignoring the character is that Charlie was meant to get the dragon tamers involved just in case Voldemort uses any dragons or similar Mm. creatures they can help out. I was wondering what your thoughts are on Bill and Charlie's involvement in both Order of Phoenix and the rest of the story. Thank you. Actually, such a good point. Yeah, and I I love any discussion of Bill and Charlie. Like, ah, this is great. Thank you. Yeah, like we have it all in book four set up that oh, there's other countries, other wizarding communities, and we need to stick together and through this. That's like part of the point of book four. Aside from bringing them back, is there are other wizarding work like countries yeah and we need to be united to fight against and then book seven is like oh brits like i never thought about that where the fuck are the other countries so i have always thought in the back of mind i don't know why i've ever voiced it but about charlie Mm. not you (laughs) hi was that he wasn't trying to recruit european wizards he was actually he'd been put on a mission to take down European people who were trying to join Voldemort Mm. and the kids were told the safer side of the story Yeah, like for some reason in my head I've just always thought that in the back of my mind and it's one of the reasons that Charlie is kind of seen less is because what he's doing is 
ultra dangerous. He's not trying to recruit. He's trying to stop a European, like, especially because we know that, like, Durmstrang and that kind of area is more is more aligned to Voldemort's thought process. Mm. He's actually trying to stop that. Yeah. That's what I've... So you think all all Europeans, all non-Brits are just really racist? Yeah. No. <laughs> no, I think he's targeting specific people. Not all Europeans. He is but one man. Yeah. But, I suppose. Like, it, I think it... It's also I think it kind writing. of makes sense if he was doing both, you yeah. know, like general international relations. It seems a bit wild that he would be the best person for the job just because... Oh, yeah he was abroad it's like <laughs> the fact that he's like a dragon tamer has nothing to do with it that's why i quite like the dragons being brought into it i yeah, like that as well because that makes more sense because oh, yeah. otherwise it's just like they could have sent anyone abroad they can literally get abroad just by like teleporting or whatever yeah so it doesn't make sense to be like oh yeah he will do it because he's already abroad when it's like he's got no experience in like diplomatic international relationships especially because they did kind of bring charlie in right at the end of the battle and charlie is the person that's rounding up all the parents and hogsmeade people yeah but they could have had someone else do that and charlie arrive on a motherfucking dragon give the man a a dragon dragon. like that would be fucking badass yeah like yeah, and a way to, like, expand on, like, the dragon tamers as, like, not just, like, oh, we make them behave, but be like, I can ride a fucking dragon. Yeah. Bill being asked to say to look after the kids is dark and upsetting, and I like it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I do like that. Because yeah. he is kind of... Him and Charlie are kind of viewed as so much older. They're more parental figures. They're yeah. more, like, uncles to yeah. the younger four. So for that to be... I don't really think it would be the whole reason they were brought back i think bill like from what we know of the character wouldn't want to have stayed abroad when he could have come home and helped his family but i do believe that like that could have been part of the discussion of like oh and also if we die you get ron and Ginny. (laughs) yeah yeah love that love that thank you Mm. next up we have spencer hi charlie and anna this is spencer from ohio in the states excited that you guys are doing this I just wanted to first off say thank you guys for giving me a warm hug every other Monday. Um, You guys definitely helped a lot throughout the last few years and a lot of people, not just me. So thank you for that. Beyond that, as far as Order of the Phoenix goes, I was actually, God, how old was I when that came out? Probably around 13 or so, 12 or 13. Um, It was my first Harry Potter book that I read all the way through. I had the first, second, third, and fourth. I'd seen both movies up to that point and i liked harry potter but order of the phoenix is what finally drew me in and i think it was just this darker kind of shit got real kind of feeling that kind of drew me in and it was the magic of the other books that kept me to stay um as far as how you guys discussed it i wouldn't really disagree with much there were a couple things i didn't think went as far as you guys thought, I never thought of centaurs that way, and that kind of creeps and grosses me out now. So I definitely get that, though. Sorry. <laughs> um, as far as the death and grieving thing, I kind of brought it up in the Discord, but the chapters where Harry's talking about grief really do hit home, where you don't care what anyone else thinks. You just wish you could hear everything you wanted from that person exactly. And I think it wasn't until now that I realized that 
Harry's growth comes basically all from this book and you see him being unresponsive to Cho through her grief and you finally see Harry understand what it is and become a better person after this book and I think that's just one of the many reasons I love it other than that I think my time's up so thank you guys for doing this uh love you both and hope you're having a good one oh thank, thank you, you I, it's so interesting to me that like a few people have picked out grief when talking about this book it like it's i think when i think about grief and harry potter i think about the next book yeah because he's dealing with the loss of Sirius, and and i think that's doing the whole like cedric thing like a, a disservice to think that way it's it's like it's very interesting to think about actually how much both Sirius and cedric is dealt with in this book mm. Yeah, it's it's very interesting that this book clearly means a lot to people in terms of the way that it dealt with grief and that that stood out for like a lot of people. And as someone that was like very, very fortunate to not lose anyone I was close to until like my mid to late teens. It's reading Harry Potter for me. There was a lot of reasons Harry Potter was important. Grief was never one of them. That was not something that I needed in these books. Yeah, I think the first time I noticed grief the most in the Harry Potter series wasn't until book seven with Harry having to deal with Dumbledore not being the man he thought he was and Dumbledore mm. having a life before him and dealing with that once someone has died and you can't ask them. Yeah. I think that was when I noticed grief the most in Harry Potter, but that's when also I was only 13 when I read book seven. So yeah. I, I think, and I think that's a, uh, an older way of dealing with grief. Like book five, Harry is more, he's lashing out, he's yelling, he's getting angry. Whereas book seven, Harry isolates in on himself and questions what he should have done differently and then gets angry internally at Dumbledore at what he didn't tell him. And I think the books show you different types of grief that you move through. And I do think mm. that's, that's it's, it's, it's a lot for a children's book. But as we've talked about before, m most children or teenagers experience grief in some form or another and if not you experience it as an adult it's a universe grieving is the one unit one of the only universal experiences like it is a huge universal experience to grieve so yeah. when people say it shouldn't be in children's books i think that's bullshit because of course it should of course it should because mm -hmm. everybody grieves yeah next up we have sunny charlie and hannah how dare you steal my heart i am absolutely in love with you in the podcast um I just wanted to say real quick uh, thank you for getting me through my GCSE year um, and just life in general since COVID began. Uh, so what I wanted to talk about uh, with you guys, because I thought this might amuse you, um, was in the first uh, chapter, Harry's listening to the seven o'clock news, right? And then he gets up, leaves, goes to the park, sits on a swing. The next thing we know, it's sunset, right? Because the street lamps are casting a misty glow and it's, you know, it's getting dark as he and Dudley walk home, right? The sun goes down at 10 <laughs> to 9 in Surrey on the 1st of August, right? Thank you. I looked this up because you, you just know I did. Like, you guys me, you know? He can't have been sitting on that swing for the best part of two Think hours. Think how numb his like, arse would says be. he didn't know how long voices or the the voices of Dud and his friends but surely <laughs> and then get the letter from the ministry saying at like 20 past nine or something that he uh performs the 
Patrona's charm. Oh, so yeah. we know that he definitely performs the Patrona's charm just after sunset. So he was definitely sitting on that swing for the best part of two hours. <laughs> what was he doing for two hours? We get about a page of like his musings and his, you know, angsty Harry bullshit. But he can't have been sitting there on a swing. They're, they're uncomfortable. And like, he's, what, 15? His, his hips are going to be too wide for that swing if he's anything like me. Like, I know he's meant to be skinny, but he's at a kid's play park. So yeah, um, thought you might find that amusing. Um, because, you know, we all love the little details. Yeah. Uh, I also wanted to say thank you for being so interactive in the community. Like, I was sitting Aww. in maths the other day, and uh, I just got the notifications that you liked my TikTok, and then later you liked my tweet, and, you know, it's made me smile. So, thank you guys for always making me smile every single week. Aww. Oh, thank I'm you. I'm so glad, but also you are one of us for looking into these insane details thank you for looking up sunset times in surrey in august we didn't Um, even pick up on this one yeah jk rowling does not know sunset times jk rowling is an idiot (laughs) but the thing is i could buy him being in like a like depressed like disassociating state for two hours had he not been sat on a swing (laughs) think how numb your ass cheeks have been like i entirely have been in those like just lie for hours staring at nothing kind of like depressed headspace before one of the only things that will get me out of it is i'm lying on my arm and it's numb (laughs) or i'm sat somewhere really uncomfortable and my ass has gone numb i'm sorry you move. And also, his ass would definitely hurt because we know canonically that Harry is a skinny bitch with a bony yeah. bum. So yep. that ass would be hurting. It really um, would. And also, yeah, the letter being sent at nine is bullshit because it's August and the sun doesn't go down till ten. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you for Googling that. Loved that. <laughs> I love that. Thank and you. Yeah, thank you for listening to us in maths. Uh, thank you for joining the team of um, very young listeners. I yep. am sorry for what we have done to you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, next we have our last voice note from Uncle A. Hey guys, I'm Uncle A. <laughs> if you know, you know. I just want to say I love the podcast and you guys are absolutely flawless. So... Last week, you mentioned that Order of the Phoenix kind of lacked a centralized plot in that it was kind of about the DA and the Order of the Phoenix and the Department of Mysteries and Occlumency and Harry's Dreams and about all these different things. But I think they're actually all related because the DA is obviously the Order of the Phoenix, but like at school and in a different generation, right? And we all know that those kids would grow up to become the Order of the Phoenix if that was what needed to happen, if the war lasted that long. And additionally, three members from the DA, Neville, Luna and Ginny, helped Harry, Ron and Hermione in the Department of Mysteries. And I think their presence there was pretty instrumental in them ultimately being successful and not getting completely destroyed. I mean, they got completely destroyed, but not like as completely. I don't know. I think they were definitely useful just for the numbers, right? Mm-hmm. And they end up ha- they end up saving Harry in the seventh book as well with the secret passage and getting him in there and helping him find the diadem and all this stuff. And that wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for the DA. So I, I think that the it ties in with the ministry. 
um, because they helped him and, you know, whatever. Additionally, it initiated Neville's glow up, which is like the most important plot point of the entire series. Oh, yeah. So I think that Order of the Phoenix does manage to pretty, pretty seamlessly tie all these things together. And though I can't read the books because it makes me feel icky yeah. Uh, yeah, nowadays, I think that Order of the Phoenix has a lot of great things about it. Yeah. yeah I... um, wait, first of all, another great voice, but also great microphone. What the fuck? Yeah, wow, what you're recording <laughs> on. Wow. Yeah, I, I think we probably phrased that badly. When we said centralised plot, I was more thinking of the way that, like... And actually, I suppose book five onwards doesn't really have one thing narratively tying it together. Like book one, Philosopher's Stone. Book two, yeah. The Chamber of Secrets. It doesn't have... Like, obviously, it does have a big bad, but, like, it doesn't have, like, a big bad in the same way where it's, like, this entire thing is leading to, like, one thing and one clear... But but then we're about to get into book six, and I don't think that does either. Actually, I think the one thread running through it all is, what's Malfoy up to? (laughs) So that's also... Like, I, I think she went down... We called the first few books murder mysteries dressed up as fantasies, and I think what we're finding as we get, like, book five onwards is they're no longer that they're more just fantasy world building stories and it's just finding that difference but i think you made a really good point in that book five almost ties the best into the theme of finding those that will help you the most that becomes important in book seven yeah because book six focuses on a lot of things about romance (laughs) book seven you're really only with ron harry and hermione it's very focused on them and Mm. book five i would call it central plot is harry finding the people that are going to help him that are going to assist him and that becomes full circle at the end of book seven so i think it more it helps that overarching plot of finding who is 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 on your side yeah i agree Okay, well, that was all the voice notes. So now we have a few people who wrote in. So the first one we have is from Eleanor L. My voice is broken, so maybe one of you can read this for me. Please do. I have two things, quite quick. One is a potential answer to a question you had in book three. What's up with the Marauders map? Why didn't Fred and George see Peter? Because the Marauders map only shows you information relating to what you already know. That would also be why they didn't see Sirius Black on the map, despite him being on campus every week all year. The second is your podcast long concern about the unforgivables. I can't remember where I read it, but the reason it's unforgivable is because they are incredibly easy to do despite the incredible amount of magic they use. I'm pretty sure Tommy, love calling him Tommy, uses the killing curse non-verbally a couple of times. It's not that these are only illegal and incredibly dangerous ones, it's that they are the most dangerous ones because anyone can do them if they have a want, magic and intent. L, an increasingly frustrated broke listener. (laughs) Increasingly frustrated at us? (laughs) No, I think at, like probably the fact that her voice is broken. Oh, I see. I see. Okay. I've never heard that interpretation that the map only shows you the information you already know, but that's in that would be like such advanced magic from the marauders. But does it work because like Fred and George would have known about Sirius Black, so would have seen him. Yeah, they would have heard the name. They would have known even but, maybe no, about but hold on, Sirius never appeared on the map. You're talking about Pettigrew. But why didn't they see Sirius when he was breaking in and stuff? Because Fred and George didn't have the map. Why didn't Harry then? Because he wasn't looking at the map at those specific times. 
I don't know, but like they say that. But like even I think it's plausible. If they knew about Sirius, they would have heard about Peter Pettigrew. Yeah, I do feel like the Wizarding World kind of knows about Peter Pettigrew. Yeah. I th- yeah. I like that as a kind of explanation. But I'm not sure it fully fits. Yeah. The unforgivable ones are, I actually do really like because... We kind of know from other things that are incredibly dark that they're not as easy to learn, not as easy to do. Like making a Horcrux is like, you have to find all this information and even then it's incredibly difficult. Whereas the Unforgivable Curse are just like, Crucio. But then I I think the name Unforgivable is wrong because it implies that if you do any of this other fucked up magic that that is forgivable. It's like, these are the three illegal curses. I feel like that's what it implies. Yeah. So I think maybe just the name is wrong, yeah. you know? Because it's it's like, yeah, it just implies that if you sectum sempra someone, that that's all good. It's all okay. Yeah. yeah. So it's kind of flawed. Yeah. But I like that people are, have worked out workarounds to them. Yeah. Yeah. The next one is from another Eleanor, Eleanor R., who says, oh no, I think this is late. Don't worry, you're fine. (laughs) I just wanted to send you the Dutch cover of Order of the Phoenix, which I'm currently battling through. Hope it gets a reaction. Let me click on it. I'm clicking on it. I'm clicking on it. Oh, Jesus wept. It's really cool. Oh, that is some some shiny fucking Thestrals. Why are those Thestrals? No, there, there is... Okay, number one, those Thestrals are cursed. They look like Lego horses. Yeah. Number two, that city that they're flying over is not London. (laughs) (laughs) So true. And Uh, neither is it Hogwarts. Number three, Andy Audi Van Phoenix. (laughs) I love that the Dutch translation of Phoenix is Phoenix. Very good. Absolutely fantastic. We'll put this photo up on our social medias. Those horses are cursed. Yep. Cursed horses. Thank you. So our last voice note is from Peyton. Hi, Hannah and Charlie. I love your podcast and I am obsessed with the Marauders. I was wondering what your favourite headcanon or theory about the Marauder era is. Again, thanks for making me laugh every day. Uh, That's a good question, especially because I have been placed on Marauder TikTok Uh, and I'm not mad about it. (laughs) See, I've just never... It's it's not that I don't care about the Mordors. That's not true. But it's just never been a part of the fandom. Like, I've never read the fan fiction or the theories or anything like that. It's, it's never been something I've partaken in. So I, I don't really know. I've not heard any theories or fan fiction or anything. I, I, I never used to be that interested in it. It was the one thing which I was like, if they make a TV show, I want it to be Marauders themed mm. just because I think that would be sick. Yeah. But it was only in kind of the second half of COVID when I was finally like, I'll fucking read all the young dudes. Fine. Yeah. And then TikTok was like, you're on Marauders TikTok now, mm. bitch. That I've kind of seen more of it. And I am not like that deeply. Like there is as much more out there than there is. There is so much out there. It's I have only seen the tip of the tip of the iceberg. Um, so I don't have like favorite headcanon and theories obviously doing this podcast has made us both wolf star when we did not grow up wolf star yeah i really like some of the things i have read about how lily and james went from hating each other at the end of their fifth year to being so in love that they got married one year after book seven i have read and seen a few things about how that like happened in book six and it is kind of adorable because he was in love with her the whole time she basically people pointed out that however much she hated him she had a kind of grudging respect for him because he always had good morals yeah and like 
that's where the love came from. But then I saw the worst thing that made me the most sad ever, which was that James loved Lily for longer than he was canonically with her. Oh, no. Before he died. And then I got sad. <laughs> Don't like that. No. I like stories and things about how they ended up together because I think it is interesting that J.K. Rowling wrote in that they kind of still hate each other at the end of book five but by yeah. book seven they were like oh, we're gonna get married next year yeah she didn't really think that through did she I mean it's two years a lot can happen marriage well, not ma- I wish they hadn't got married so young but not to get to the point of marriage but to get to the point of going out that yeah. kind of like enemies lovers where they haven't actually got anything that they hate each other like not like Dramione enemies where it's like, haha, we're enemies because you're literally like, a, I view you as a different member of society. Just yeah. like, I hate you. Oh no, I love you. Yeah. <laughs> and that's everything. Woo. Oh my gosh. It was so wonderful to hear all your voices. It was. Like, Thank you so, so much. Anyone that wrote in or voice noted in. Thank you so much for being a part of this episode. Yeah, this was so much fun. And you guys all, do you know what really struck me while I was listening to all the voices? We have such an intelli- intelligent listener group. Somehow. Somehow. <laughs> We're going to go eat pizza now. We are. But thank you so much for listening to this episode. And get ready for season six in two weeks' time. Thank you for listening to this episode of Goblet of Wine. To find us on social media, search at Goblet of Wine Pod on Twitter or at Goblet of Wine Podcast on Instagram. We also have a website over at www.gobletofwine.co.uk where you can keep up with everything that we do. This podcast is produced by our wonderful Hufflepuff tier patrons Yolanda, Samuel, Nick, Lewis, Layla, Catherine, Gillian, Ashley, Emily. And Alexia. If you'd like to support this podcast, check out our Goblet of Wine Patreon, where you can also gain access to bonus episodes, behind the scenes content, and our Discord. Thank you so much for listening to this episode, and we'll see you in the next one. Bye! Bye.